Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. All right, well, welcome to part four of Warriors Arise, a series that we've been doing uh, recently uh, for Authentic Church that I pray is blessing you in increasing your faith. You know, the atmosphere of faith is the breeding ground for the miraculous. And we've been seeing mir- miracles, uh, it feels like every single week at Authentic Church, somebody's healed, set free, baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's just been awesome. And uh, it's 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 a beautiful season where uh, it, it's like the, the people of God have that Romans 8.28 faith that you know that God works all all things together for my good, no matter what's going on in the world. And there's certainly, uh, there's certainly a, a lot of oddity uh, to 2020, but no matter what's going on, that God is working all things together for my good. And you know, sometimes God uses the hard things in the physical to soften us in the spiritual. And you know, you might be going through a hard time, uh, a time that isn't what you would call good. And this verse, you know, Romans 8:28, doesn't mean that 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 you're only going to face good things. You may say, this isn't good what I'm going through, but I want to encourage you that he is good and you can trust him. Whatever you're going through, no matter how difficult, horrific, evil situation you're facing, God can take that situation and bring beauty out of ashes. And he is working behind the scenes. What the enemy meant for evil God is going to turn it around for your good. You know, Psalm 66 verse 12 says, we've passed through fire and flood, yet in the end, you always bring us out better than we were before, saturated with your goodness. You can only feel that way if you trust God's character. Knowing God, not just knowing about God, but knowing God, truly knowing God is to really know his, his, his character, which is nature. You know, I've gone through some tough times in my life and you have too. And during those hard times, I wish that I could tell you that I was Christian enough to like what I was going through. I wish I could tell you I was Christian enough to say, you know, quote all these Bible scriptures and have a smile on my face, not lose any sleep over it. But that didn't always happen. I lost a lot of sleep in different situations. Um, I, I, I wasn't uh, as mature as I thought in some of those situations. And life can just be, be difficult. Yet my foundation says, I trust you. I trust you, God. I know that you work everything out. The Bible said that unto Israel he showed his acts, but unto Moses he showed his ways. It's not just knowing what God can do or has done. It's knowing who he is. If you just know about God, then you'll only see what he did. But if you know who he is, then you'll know his character and you'll understand that he is and he will always take you through whatever it is that you're going through. And he's going to work it out for your good. This season of the uh, crazy corona, as I call it, has been a massive wake-up call to the Christian community. Many knew church, but then they discovered if they did or didn't really know God and His ways. You know, and if you don't get into the Word of God, you're going to continue to place yourself at an infant-level relationship of Christianity where you're constantly dependent on others for nourishment and survival. But when you get into the Word of God, 
for yourself, not reading it for your spouse or your kids, but really getting into the Word of God for yourself. Then you give God something to work with, and the Holy Spirit starts navigating you down pathways and passages where you experience Him. And your relationship going goes from head knowledge to heart knowledge. You you begin to you, your faith becomes experiential. Uh, it, it's like having a television that was you know once in you know traditional uh, format, but now you're seeing in 4K and the colors and everything else. You know, when I was getting to know Fawn and we started dating, our dates were often experiential in nature. We'd go on hikes or go to a concert or go out to a nice restaurant. Uh, grocery store shopping, carving pumpkins, grocery store shopping. That was like another level of a fun date, you know, when you're dating before you're married, you know, I don't know if you can remember, but going grocery shopping as a couple, when you're dating, it's like a whole nother level, you know, knowing about God is different than knowing him. It's, it's getting those experiences like Fawn and I had those experiences as we got to know each other. God desires for you to have experiences for you to grow with him and experiences enhance that spiritual journey. They become God encounters. And at Authentic Church, we like to say that we are a Bible-based, spirit-empowered, presence-driven church. We're a Bible-based, spirit-empowered, presence-driven church. And our hope, our prayer is that people have encounters with God at a corporate level that lead to encounters with God on a personal level, that we might have an encounter with God on a Sunday or a Wednesday at our gatherings, but that leads to a personal encounter with God on Monday and Tuesday and throughout the week. So we're Bible-based. Why do we say that? Because the Word of God will keep you grounded and develop your character. You have to be grounded in order for your gift to flourish the way that God intended you to flourish. If you're not grounded, then your gift is going to take you places where your character can't keep, it cannot keep you. And in this critical hour of history, with the amount of new believers that are being added to the church, being added to our church, God is raising up men, women, youth, children who are grounded in the word of God, empowered by his Holy Spirit and led by his presence. So today we're going to jump into Mark chapter 9. For those of you that are listening and reading, God bless you. Um, I usually listen to a podcast, and sometimes I listen to it at twice the speed because I just want to be that efficient. But I hope uh, that if you aren't reading your Bible, uh, that you would pick up a Bible and maybe cross-reference some of the things I'm going to share here today, and you're going to take a look at Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, while you're turning there or while you're thinking about it, I'm going to go ahead and lead us in prayer. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Father, that we have ears to hear. Give us eyes to see today, Lord, something new in your scriptures. Give us ears to hear something we never heard before. Give us a mind that understands. And Lord, I pray that everybody listening would have a heart to believe. Increase our faith, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark 9, 14, it's the famous story where Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. And in verse 14, it said, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. This is Jesus coming down, and he's coming up to where his disciples were. And there's some teachers of religious law were arguing with the disciples. And when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe. And they ran down to greet him. Backstory on this, this is the transfiguration moment. Jesus comes down and here, the, here he is. And so in verse 16, verse 16 it, Jesus says, what's this arguing about? What's all of this going on? And one of the men in the crowd spoke up and they said, teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, 
It throws him violently to the ground. And then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, Ah, you faithless people, how how long must I be with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy to Jesus. And when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Jesus looked and he says to the boy's father, he says, how long has this been happening? And he replied, you know, since the boy was little. And the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. (laughs) What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And then the father cried out, I do believe, but help my unbelief. In the New King James Version, it says that the father cried out with tears, Lord, help my unbelief. And I want to share today on a message uh, titled, A Heart to Believe. A Heart to Believe. And this is Warriors Arise, part four for us in the series. And we're concluding with this, this piece of scripture here out of Mark chapter 9. So we're in the last week of our series. Week one was give us eyes to see. And we looked at Gideon, the famous story of Gideon in Judges chapter six and seven. And then week two was ears to hear. And we looked at first Samuel chapter three, where, where it's a famous passage of scripture where Samuel says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And in this hour, we really need people that are listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Week three, last week, we looked at a mind that understands. And we, we took a look into Luke chapter 24 and uh, talked about the road to Emmaus and the famous passage of scripture where Jesus comes alongside of two men that are heading to Emmaus that were walking away from obedience to what Jesus told them to do. They were walking away and Jesus had an, a, a moment with them. And then this week, we're, uh, we're diving into a heart to believe, a heart to believe. So how do you have that heart that believes? How do you develop that heart of faith? And it's simple. You tap into the heart of God. How do they, how do you tap into the heart of God? You might say simple. You read God's word and begin to press into the things that touch his heart. You don't have to be perfect to have a heart that believes, but you do need faith. You know, David was far from perfect, very far from perfect, but he had a heart that was turned towards God. He was quick to repent. And even when he was called out by a prophet and exposed it as, as an adulterer and as a murderer, which he was, he was repentant. And the Bible told, said that he was a man after God's own heart. So having a heart that believes doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it, be, it begins with repentance. And having a heart that believes begins with having a heart that receives. You have to have a heart that receives God. You'll receive him. And as you do, it grows into a heart that truly believes him. You know, everyone's been given a measure of faith, according to Romans 12, 3, that there's a measure of faith. The measure of faith that is developed and strengthened in you comes from one place, the word of God. Romans 10, 17 tells us this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want to be a person who is confident and secure in your spiritual walk, someone who is strong, has strong, like world changing faith, then you must spend time reading studying, meditating on God's word. It, it, it blows my mind that, that I can sit down and I can watch two hours 
of football or football highlights. And, uh, but yet when I sit down to read the word of God, it takes work, it takes effort, but it was so easy for me to sit down and be entertained. That's because the, the enemy, the devil, doesn't want you to engage in the Word of God. He wants you to be more excited about playing golf on a Sunday morning than going to the house of God on a Sunday morning. He wants you to be more excited about taking the boat out on the weekend than, than opening the Scriptures and spending time with Him. But spending time with Him is the only way to achieve the spiritual f- strength and faith that you desired. You know, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, credited. Genesis 15, 6, even though your account balance may be low, God makes up for the difference. He makes up for that deficit simply because you believed. That's what faith is. God gives you a picture of promise. Maybe it's a picture of a promise for healing. Uh, maybe it's a picture of a promise that he's, he's, he, he's going to bless you with finances. Maybe it's a picture of a promise that, that you desire to see your kids serving the Lord, or you desire a faithful spouse, or he's, he's giving you the promise of a house, that you're going to be buying a house. Uh, maybe it's something in business, a business endeavor, an opportunity that's arising, and you feel like God is giving you a promise in that arena of life. And what he does is he gives you a picture of the promise, and then as you see him, then he gives you some of those details and he unfolds it. It's kind of like peeling an onion, right? And your, you know, your heart, it has a memory, good or bad, your heart has a memory. You know, I recently played golf and uh, I was so sore the next day. I hadn't played golf in literally two years. I'm embarrassed to say that, but I literally hadn't played golf for two years and I go out and play golf and the next day, like I was sore. And, and as I started swinging the club, it was not pretty. In fact, it was really, really ugly, and it made for a lot of laughs by everybody but me uh, in the foursome that I was playing with. Um, but as the day went on, some of the muscle memory came back, and I began to hit some of those shots. You know, your heart has a memory as well. Good or bad, your heart has a memory. And some days it feels like maybe God led you out to the middle of nowhere. You know, you started the journey in a prayer meeting and you're so excited about the promise of God and someone gave you a prophetic word. You know, you saw signs and there's confirmation after confirmation. And then in a moment you look around and you don't hear that prophetic word anymore. You don't see those signs anymore. And the devil starts whispering in your ear and doubt begins to creep in. And I just want to share some words with you that God spoke to me years ago, and that is, Your faith is often tested before it's rewarded. Your faith is often tested before it is rewarded. You're like that father in Mark chapter 9 that we just read about. You're saying, Lord, I believe, I want to believe, but help my unbelief. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I can start looking at my situation when things don't go the way that I thought they would, and you start looking at the lack rather than standing on the promises of abundance. What do you do when fear attacks your faith? What do you do when doubt creeps in? How do you protect your faith? I want to go through that and give you some real practical keys to this today. Well, the first thing that you do is you take authority. Okay, you are a believer in Jesus Christ. You are a child of God, a son or a daughter of God. You have authority that others do not have. So the first thing that you do is you take authority as a son or daughter of God and you bind the devil. You speak the word. You turn up the praise and the worship in your life. We praise him for what he has done, but we worship him for who he is. You know, as a young man, when I came to Christ, at times I felt so plagued by 
by thoughts of failure and shame. I would literally be driving and almost kind of in a trance, overwhelmed, uh, where it's just like the just these negative words are just speaking. It's like you know, just going through my mind, horrible, horrible thoughts, horrible words, just on repeat. And uh, then one day, uh, you know, something rose up inside of me, and I literally rolled down the windows of my 1994 Nissan Maxima. It was a Nissan. Maxima SE. It was a cool car back then. All right. I rolled down the windows of my 1994 Nissan Maxima and I yelled at the top of my legs. I said, Satan, you get out of here. I'm a child of God. You have no place in my life, no place in my thoughts. In the name of Jesus, go right now in the name of Jesus. And I would literally yell that at the top of my lungs, which I I won't do for the sake of the podcast and freaking you out or the person next to you. Um, But uh, but I would literally yell that at the top of my lungs. I'd roll down my window, I'd yell that at the top of my lungs. And then I'd turn up, you know, at the time I was really into the Kirk Franklin CD, GP, are you with me? You know, if you remember that. Yeah, I'd turn up that music and I would just charge my faith. If you're going to have a heart to believe, you need a mouth that takes authority, okay? You can't just sit and listen to what the voice of the enemy is saying. You need to speak up with the mouth that God gave you, and you you rise up and you take authority. You know, the boy that Jesus healed, he was, he was being muted, okay? He wanted to speak, but he couldn't get the words out because the devil bound him up. The devil wants to bind you up. He wants to bind me up. And he wants to bind us in a place where we cannot share a testimony or share the word of Jesus. And Jesus wants to free you. He wants to free you, but you have to take authority. James 3 verse 4 reminds us that those large ships that are driven by fierce winds crashing through the waves of the sea, everything that the oceans can throw at them, those ships are directed and guided by a small rudder. Your tongue is your rudder, and it will direct you. Question, what thoughts are you allowing into your mind that you need to rebuke with your tongue? What thoughts are you allowing in your mind that you need to rebuke with your tongue? You know, Jesus said when you pray, say. He didn't go to the demon-possessed man and think the demon mount. He commanded the demon out, okay? If Jesus had to use his words, so do you and I, all right? You have authority, so walk in it. Joshua 1.3 says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I've given you. So number one, the first thing you do, you take authority. And number two, you give thanks. You give thanks. To have a heart to believe, you need to give thanks. You know, it's a funny thing about life. Once you begin to take note of all the things that you're grateful for, you begin to lose sight of all the things that you lack. You know, I have a journal uh, that I keep that I write in most days, not every day, but most days. And some days when I'm, I'm feeling down and we, we all have down days, uh, I, I make a point to discipline myself to make a thankful list. Um, you know, so for every year of my life, I, I write down one thing that I'm thankful for. Not one thing I was thankful for in that year. I write down one thing that I'm thankful for in my life today based on the number of years of my life. And, you know, now I'm, I'm in my 40s, and I won't share with you how old I am, but I'm in my 40s. So I just, that's a lot of things to write down, okay? I found that once I get to, like, number 20, 22, 23, 24, 25, you know, as I get up there in the 20s, uh, somehow life just seems better. My perspective shifts. It's like Ezra 3.11 says, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. 
Psalm 7, verse 17, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I'll sing the praises of the name of the Lord most high. Psalm 9, verse 1 says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of your wonderful deeds. Psalm 100, verse 4 through 5 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And this is the promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all of your understanding, is going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 12, 28 through 29 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. When you give passionate praise and thanks to God, it's like pouring gasoline on your fire of faith. And all those problems just seem to, 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 to burn up. You know, when I, when I went on a prayer walk last week with my kids, we started just with thanksgiving and praise. You know, so number one, the first thing you do in terms of fostering a heart to believe, you take authority. Number two, give thanks. And number three, you sow a seed. You sow a seed. And I want to encourage you, sow a seed in a harvest field that you want to reap. I don't know about you, but I've prayed prayers to God, <laughs> asking him to help get me out of situations that I foolishly put myself into. I, I'm sitting there with the shovel digging, and he's like, anytime you want to stop digging yourself into that pit, throw down the shovel, Jeff, and walk out. But there I go. And then I find myself praying, God, get me out of this situation. He's like, you got yourself in that situation, but by my mercy, I'll help get you out. And so, you know, sowing seeds requires effort. It requires sacrifice. It's a physical act with spiritual implications. And the best way to sow seed, the best position of sowing seed, is by getting on your knees. It's by getting into a time of prayer. Galatians 6, 8 in the Passion Translation, I love how it reads. It says, the harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. But if you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. You know, it's shocking to me, but apparently the statistics in the last election cycle noted that millions of Christians actually didn't even turn out to vote. They failed to understand that what you do in the physical reverberates in the spiritual. And the opposite is true as well. What you do in the spiritual reverberates in the physical. You start in the spiritual, you'll reap in the physical. You sow in the spiritual, you're going to reap in the spiritual. You sow in the physical, you're going to reap in the physical. Just because you don't see it yet, you can still be confident that God is working behind the scenes. Sow a seed. So there's the parable of, of the sower, which really more aptly should be called the parable of the soil, but we're not going to get into that today. In, in the parable of, of, of the sower, uh, it's in Matthew uh, chapter 13. And it says this, later that same day, 
Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. He was, a, he was a lake guy, a water guy. I can totally relate with Jesus. I love being near water. And a large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into the boat. And he sat there and he taught the people and stood on the shore with the nap, natural amphitheater of his voice hitting off, off of the water to them. And in verse 3 it says, He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field... Some fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon withered and wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the life of the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as they had planted. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So what's the lesson here? The lesson is this. Where you want to see a harvest... Sow a seed. Sow a seed. If you need financial breakthrough, sow a financial seed. We as Christians, you know, we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and we're saved from the curse of the world. We're saved from the curse on our, on our finances when we tithe. But if we don't tithe, we're basically telling God that we can do a better job running our finances than he can. Tithing is what unlocks the blessing on our finances and removes the curse. But when you sow a seed, which is an offering above the tithe, the tithe is returning to God what's already his. An offering is above and beyond the tithe. When we sow a seed of a tithe, then we position ourselves to reap a blessing. Maybe you need relationship breakthrough. Uh, I would encourage you, sow a relational seed. If you have a broken relationship with somebody, you be the one to call. You be the one to ask for forgiveness. You be the one to extend grace. Uh, maybe you're not seeing a lot of friendships and you desire to have more friendships. You sow a seed of friendship by hosting, inviting people into your home. You put yourself out there. Maybe you need emotional breakthrough. I would encourage you, focus on helping somebody else and watch what God does with your heart. Focus on being generous and loving uh, to somebody else and watch how generous and loving your God shows you he is and also how he moves through other people. Maybe you're dealing with bitterness or frustration or hurt. I want to encourage you, sow a seed of forgiveness. Life is too short to hold resentment and, and bitterness towards people. Maybe even you need to sow an actual gift to that person who hurts you. How often do you forgive? Let me tell you this. You forgive every time that that hurt comes up in your mind. Every, every time, you know, it's like, you know, that, that hurt seems to kind of puff up from time to time. And every time that, per, that, that, that hurt or that resentment puffs up, that's when you forgive. So again, in closing today, I just want to summarize those three points. Number one, how do you, how do you battle unbelief? How, how do you develop that heart to believe? Number one, you take authority. Number two, you give thanks. And number three, sow a seed. Well, it's been an honor to share with you today. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Authentic Church podcast. You'll be kept up to date on future podcast episodes that are released. Um, if you want to, you can go online as well and you can check us out, AuthenticOC.com. But wherever you might be listening to this podcast, I pray that you would have a church community, a community of faith and believers that truly loves God, loves people, and lives authentic. God bless you. Have an awesome week.